Hello and welcome to Era on Air. I'm your host, Mark Spencer, and this is the podcast that takes you inside the hidden industry of heating, ventilation, air conditioning, cooling, and refrigeration. We bring you stories of innovation and occasionally highlights of the events ERA produces for the industry. Today's episode is one of those. Some interviews with speakers and highlights of talks from ERA's Building Physics event that took place on October 23rd and 24th of 2019. This event featured two keynote speakers, 30 industry speakers and panelists, one panel session, and three workshops run on each day along with cocktails and networking functions, all for a group of 100 attendees. Join Mark Vender, editor of ERA's HVAC in Our Nation magazine, for a chat with two of the speakers about their main takeaways. First up is Marcella Browner, who conducted a research study measuring the effects of using different building materials in two similar houses. What was the main point you wanted to get across in your presentation today? It's the, the main point that really it's the evaluation of hydrothermal qualities of values of materials. It's very important. It's actually crucial to the function of the whole system. But on the other hand, this is why I at the end uh, emphasize that it's not just that. Uh, I am very careful with these things because... Sometimes people misunderstand, they think, okay, when I put whatever on the walls, then I'm done. My problems are solved. So this is not. So it needs really to be holistically approached to bring to one table all people involved, the future owner or the inhabitants, because everybody lives a slightly different style. And this is the next thing, what I'm missing and what wasn't part of my presentation today there's so many factors we are missing. Examples would be where you were bringing in other influences into mm-hmm. the space, so as in occupants doing activities or maybe bringing in appliances yeah, or habits. whatever. Habits. Some people, they perhaps never ventilate and don't open the windows. I was like, how could you breathe? On the other hand, perhaps I realized here in the hotel, when I came yesterday evening, and I went nearly into panic when I realized I cannot open the windows. And I was like, oh. It was first time after a long time I am in a building which you cannot really open the windows. And I must say, it has done something with me. I was like calming myself, calm down, it's all right, it's all right. <laughs> so I can understand that, uh, you know, it's for some people are some things important and some not. And I'm a lot into materials, into material science, because building biology, a background into ideally natural materials. I'm not dogmatic, I use other materials as well, but I prefer to use natural. Natural. Yeah, ideally local, (laughs) sustainable materials, yeah. One of the things that came across to me in the presentation was just how sophisticated these systems are, how complex when you talk about a holistic solution, but little things can influence other things. And the other interesting thing about your study was the comparison of the actual results with the simulated results. The question that occurs to me is with such a complicated system, how close are we really getting with the simulation software that's available? Is that problematic? My concern is that many, 
I'm not saying everybody, but many people who use simulation programs like Woofy, they think, oh great, it solves all my problems. But it's a very complicated system and without knowing the background of building physics, without knowing the background of what it means when I have perhaps SD value such and such, what it means permeability or all these things or me value and other stuff, what does it mean when the people don't really go into deeper knowledge there might be, and they have been, they are documented, there are papers about it, and they have been legal procedures in America, in USA perhaps, and Canada I think as well, when uh, you know companies use these programs, perhaps like Woofy, and they based their decision on it. However, they underestimated the exactness or the correctness of the input data so and this is what I was dealing with as well was that just a slight change and I had to you know estimate some data I didn't have possibility to have measurements laboratory measurements who would pay for that so I had to estimate some data and then I realized oh god when I change slightly perhaps SD value or air exchange rate like uh, between zone like interzone exchange rate these small things and just really small numbers changes, completely calculation was different. So back to these you know, legal issues, and this is what people have to be aware. The program does good job, but it's calculated only from the values the people put in. And when the people put in not correct or not exact values, then it might be the result completely disastrous. Mm-hmm. So I always say, be careful with these things. Use your own thinking and evaluation simultaneously. You are based in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting place to be as a building <laughs> scientist, right? A building physicist, um, because we've heard a lot today about um, the leaky building syndrome in New Zealand, obviously a big, big problem over there. Have you sort of seen a holistic approach embraced in New Zealand? What um, improvements, I suppose, have you seen and what challenges still exist? I must say it's very hard and it was already today noticeable and the situation is similar in Australia um, is that to change the building industry it's very hard job because the building industry or construction tends to be very stubborn, very (laughs) slow in the change. So to talk about holistic approach in New Zealand would be not correct. It's it's really future music, but it's my hope and this is actually the reason why I decided to do the PhD study because I I realized first in 90s when I came first time in New Zealand and then again after, you know, 15-20 years again when I came and I saw the situation didn't change much. So I was like, why? And then I asked and I spoke with a couple of architects, young architects. They still don't have education in these fields. Building physics is not taught at all in Oakland University perhaps. So they they don't get the information and they then don't have 
possibility to evaluate the buildings from the sides. I really believe that it's the future way how to construct and how to do uh, buildings. However, it will take a long time, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah um, one of the earlier speakers mentioned that education exactly. yeah, piece yeah. is, is, is yeah, very yeah, important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it is important because same with, with other fields, you cannot really make a decision when you don't know anything about that. I guess as well, I want to ask quickly about the conference, the wider conference. I know it's early, we're in the first day, first afternoon, but have, have there been any highlights for you so far? What have been sort of some of the interesting points that you've, you've heard? Yes, especially a couple of people who was talking from my field from about perhaps mold and, and humidity and all this stuff. On one side was really, is for me, like, I was like, relief, uh, yes, we are not the only one who has these problems. <laughs> so this was the first one. And the other thing is, I think it's very important to do things like that, like this kind of uh, physic, building physics forum, because most of the people don't know really about building physics. Like I, I mentioned before, the education is lacking, so that, that there is no many people and even architects never heard the term building physics or building science because in America perhaps they use or they prefer to use building science. It doesn't matter how we call it. Important is that is some physical processes which go through every material and why should we building an exception? Why should we think a building is, how does it look? Yes, architecture is very important and aesthetics, yes. But it's house, the main purpose of the house, it's a shelter for people. They should live there. So the house shouldn't cause any additional problem to, to the human occupants. So this is what, I, to me, it's logical. And I, I'm always wondering, hey, how could you think that the aesthetics or the architecture is more important than the quality of the building? I think it's other way around. So it, it needs really to serve the occupants, to serve the people to support the people to be able perhaps to have a good rest after work. How could people have good rest when you know you have mold spores and you breathe it every night or you have cold and you are permanently, your body is under stress because to have cold temperature which the body needs to cope with. It's very stressful for the, for the human body. So all these factors have influence on a humans, on their ability to recover or refresh, to have a rest after work, to be able to work the next day, next week, next year. And I'm wondering why the people perhaps in government don't see it, how important this is how important it is to do these things right. Because it makes this population either healthy or sick. Mm. And when you see how many people are sick perhaps with asthma, how many people are sick with coughing, with allergies, 
I was shocked when I saw it. I was like, nearly every second person has some issues, which might be, I cannot prove it, of course, but it might be logically tracked to the surroundings or to the environment where they live, where they sleep, where they work. So I was like, no wonder they are sick. I would be sick as well in being permanently, you know, cold and permanently, you know, bombarded with, with this, you know, whatever flies in the air. And it's not only mold, it's building biologists' heart as the VOC, the, the chemicals we are breathing, we are absorbing through the skin. And it's not only formaldehyde, they are much more dangerous stuff today in the in the products which is everything leaks and goes into interior air so it's, it's a really complex issue it's really the, the houses and healthy houses it's a huge and complex issue but on the other hand it's really fascinating and i, I really like it it's my passion fantastic <laughs> that's great Also speaking at the Building Physics Forum was Dr. Ariana Brambila, who gave a presentation about hydrothermal simulations. I'm actually a lecturer at the University of Sydney in the School of Architecture, Design and Planning. My background is in building engineering. So I did the combined degree back in Italy in building engineering and architecture, and then the PhD in building physics. And that's why I'm here. Wow. Because, you know, we've been hearing some things about architects today, haven't we? Yes. And about the uh, perhaps the lack of focus on building physics yeah. in architecture. That's or... correct. I mean, that's correct. I think that... So I came in Australia almost three years ago. I was in Europe before, around Italy, Switzerland, Denmark, a little bit in country where we look at for the best practice in construction, basically. And they had the same impression. So when I came here uh, and joined the University of Sydney, it was, I think, the first um, technical, let's say, or a, a technology person inside the university. And now they hired other three persons working on my same area. So two of them are also with the background in uh, engineering and architecture, so in a combined degree. Because I think that the university is slowly realizing that there's a lack of competence in this part in the profession, let's say, and and why they bring four of us. We are all from outside Australia. And I think that that's also why they're bringing us here, because to form the next generation of architects, to being able then to, you know, change the profession from the inside. What's the view from the other side of the fence then, when we've got people who are um, mechanical engineers and uh, building physicists sort of looking over at the architects going, oh, but they don't understand anything about this stuff. From architecture side, is it just sort of lack of awareness or, or is it, do they also look at the building services stuff and have, have a different view of things? I think that is more a lack of awareness in this moment. Part of the issue is how traditionally architect, architecture was taught. So it's like a sort of building is seen as the combination of different disciplines which are not actually speaking together or just at the end of the design process. So the architect is doing 
the architectural staff and engineering, the engineering staff, and then they come together and they try to find a solution. Let's say it's designing for the emergency. Well, I think that some of the speakers today were also speaking about the importance of integrating everything from the beginning. So starting all as a team and not as opponents, because at, at the end we're all working on the same end product and it's not a fight for who is going to win, which unfortunately in some cases is still like this, it's still like a fight against the engineers or the architects for who is going to win. Well, what's the response been like from the students that you work with? So it's always a little bit difficult, these questions, because of course students, uh, 150 students, they have 150 different impressions. But generally, I have to say that they are very interested. Last year, I started a course in, um, on towers design, and my tutors are not architects, are engineers. So, and it's quite a weird combination because we try to teach architecture but using engineers as tutors, but they love it. It was really like well perceived. Seems to be a successful experience so far. That's great, yeah. I guess you're talking about structures and you're talking about materials. We've heard a lot about the importance of materials and material selection. Is that something that traditionally falls into the, the architect's? remit or is it something that that's handled by the the engineers in the design process is handled by engineers mainly but again i think that is in in some of my studio i teach for example um lca so life cycle assessment and i stress on the r value calculation which for an engineer seems like very easy and stupid let's say calculation but getting putting in the head of the students that they have to know how to calculate their value to design. It's something that is not easy, especially with the under, in the undergrad space. It's definitely part of the design process. We can't choose the materials just because they look nice. And that's also, I think, the conclusion for all, from all the presentation of today. But if people don't like a building, then it's not going to be used in some way. So it must be a combination, something that we can love to use it in the correct way, probably. From what you've seen today, is there one or two points or main ideas that you think you'll be taking away from the conference so far? There has been a lot of interest in agrothermal. My presentation will be also on this part, which is definitely a big issue now in Australia. There's something happening outside academia, so sometimes, you know, academia and professional worlds are two completely different parts. We, we have different pace and different kind of... It's really different world, I have to say, but it's nice to see that we both perceive that there's an issue in that space. And as I was saying, I was also very happy to see that designing together architects and engineering was coming from both directions. So architects were saying we need to design together and consultant that were saying the same thing. So it's something that that is reassuring for the future. For sure, yeah, fingers crossed. Um, so your presentation, as you said, is going to be looking at, you know, hygrothermal properties and buildings again. What is the sort of main message that you're trying to get across or the main point that you're trying to get across in your presentation? 
The main point is that we need to do more research, and I think it was the main point of everyone, that we need to have a code that is able to capture all of these issues that we are finding in our everyday practice, which could be, as in my case, research. So I think that that's the main issue. It's really, there's a problem. We don't know how to solve it, but we can see that there is a problem and we need some help, probably also from everyone to solve it. Yeah, that cross-disciplinary approach for sure. Yeah. I'm also curious because you said you've only been here for like four years, is that right, in Australia? No, three years in March. Three years in March, so quite a relatively short time. Are there any very obvious differences that you see in the built environment here compared to where you've come from? I think uh, when I I say this in... um, at the university with colleagues, they, they always laugh and say that it's the comments that all Europeans have, which is I've never felt so cold as winter in Sydney, in my house, which is kind of crazy if you think that I've lived for more than five years between Denmark and Switzerland, but I've never felt so cold. I never felt so cold, yeah, and that's probably... <laughs> I, I don't know why there's no heating, even if Sydney is still... a continental climate that's I, I find it astonishing yeah yeah that that comment is pretty common yeah yeah, yeah. we should try Melbourne you know no like, I really can't I really can't and it's nobody all my friends in Italy they can't really believe me when I say this but it's true my house is it's a wonderful house but I have uh, sliding windows and I can put my fingers in between the, the glass to reach the outdoor, which is kind of fascinating. And to give you an idea of the presentations at Building Physics, we recorded Jenny Edwards talking about her mission to bring better design to all Australians. So my passion is about creating change in the mass market. So I'm, and I'm talking about residential. I left commercial a long time ago. I gave up on that back in 2010. We all know they're very different beasts and, and I like the residential side more. I'm not interested in high-end architecture, those big projects, big budget projects. I'm really interested in working in the middle market with people like us who have limited budgets to work with, who want to do smart stuff. And I'm more interested in working with project home builders, notice I put them down here, and helping to lift them up to a much higher standard. So my talk today is going to be quite general. I'm not going to go into the specifics of any one project or talk about particular measures. You guys are experts in a lot of that. I'll be here for the two days. I'm really happy to chat in more detail about various things. But what I really want to show you is what a small independent business, which is what my business is, can do. And I've got no government funding. I'm not teamed up with CSIRO or a CRC. I love those things. I come from that background. I became really passionate about showing that you can run a business focused on sustainable housing. So I've got a sustainable business. I employ 14 people working in this space because there is a demand for it from the mass market. We just need to show them. So let me get into it. So Lighthouse Architecture and Science is my business. We are now Canberra's largest residential architecture practice. Ten years ago, it was not my aim to be a scientist leading an architecture practice. Um, 
it's, it's just happened, and I'll show you how. We're doing some really great work. How the heck did I get there? My background is actually in... Well, I was doing a PhD in plant molecular genetics when I first moved to ANU, but I came from Tas Uni. I don't know, Mark probably doesn't know that, but I grew up in Tasmania, was born in Perth. I've lived in Vancouver and the Philippines. I've experienced all sorts of houses in my time. I did my time in research and realised that I actually wanted to get out of the lab and talk about it, raise you know, awareness. So I did my time at ANU and CSIRO and then in policy in the Department of Innovation. I was actually asked to come on board to work on national innovation policy and I was so excited. I thought, here's my chance to shape policy in Australia and after 10 months I wanted to slash my wrists. And that is when I left and got into this game. So in 2008, I made a big decision to get out of that and if I wanted to affect real change, I had to bloody well get out there and do it. I knew there was huge potential and I wanted to get out of the coalface and have that battle. And I was pretty naive, pretty brave, and I did. So I wanted to create change. So in 2008, it's quite a long story, but I decided to go to New Zealand and buy a blower door from Thomas and train in air leakage testing. Um, I actually saw a blower door used in the TV show Carbon Cops. Some of you may have seen that about um, a decade ago. One of the presenters of that was a former science communication student of, of mine. And I had bought a house in Canberra and I thought, that's, that's what I need. Tomorrow I'm going to ring around, I'm going to get someone to come and do an air leakage test at my house. It'll be great. Then I learned about thermal imaging and thought, my God, why is no one doing this in the residential space? So I took the plunge and decided to start doing it myself. I also trained in thermal performance modelling at that time. I did some life cycle analysis training at RMIT. I came down here first trained in first rate, and then I'm now a BERS user. This software, I want to point out, is the most misunderstood, underutilised tool in Australian residential construction. The Natter software is a great piece of software. Developed and maintained here in Australia, uses 69 different climate zones across this country, hourly um, uh, weather data, average weather data from the Bureau of Meteorology. It's bloody great. You um, model the house, it's exact construction. If you don't know about it, if you think the passive house package is the first time building physics has been applied to housing, it's not, okay? Um, and I should point out, I meant to say, I don't want to inadvertently offend people today, but people in the room will know that I love healthy debate. Um, I'm not anti-passive house. It might come across as that in my talk today. So I did that for a few years. I, I knocked on the door of local government, federal government. I worked with the NBA, the HIA. I did workshops. I trained builders. I tested houses. I climbed in roofs. I patched the gaps in insulations. I corked skirting boards. I've done the hard yards. I don't do that anymore. I get other people to do that. So then I teamed up with an architect and a builder. I'd been working with lots of different architects and builders and been really disheartened by the quality of work I was seeing. Local architect contacted me. I opened up the plans and immediately realised, wow, these guys are onto something. It was really clever. And they wanted to employ me to help optimise the design. There wasn't actually much for me to do, but they took my feedback really well. Then during construction, um, it was a builder architect business partners, they got me to come and test the house. And it, of course, from a builder's perspective, there's nothing really to gain. You're only going to find problems from their perspective. But I went and tested it. And the house actually performed really well, and it turned out the builder had trained in Denmark, so he had a better appreciation of a good building envelope. Um, so we started out, I then came on board as a third director of that company, and we started out as four of us. It was the three of us, architect, builder and scientist, and one draftsperson. We rapidly grew to 18 staff. So that was from 2011 to 2015. 
But what happened is the demand for the architecture and science side of things outgrew our construction capacity and there were some differences of opinion. So we restructured. So I, I bought the business and we made it focus just on the architecture and science. So we became Lighthouse. It is two words uh, because it, we do light-footed and light-filled homes, but I do like to think we are also a beacon, the traditional lighthouse, for change in the housing industry. This is my team when they were 12. We're now up to 14. But I'm not planning on growing any bigger. But what have we done? So we've completed over 100 projects. And when I talk about these projects, I'm talking about our integrated architecture and science projects. So these are new homes and major renovations. Whatever we do, there's got to be thermal bang for buck. As I said, our clients have got limited budgets. We want to make sure that we're using them cost effectively. So it has to stack up. Some lessons I've learned is that blower doors look really funny from the outside. Existing homes can be vastly improved. I want to stress this too, you know, with a lot of focus on new builds, new builds, new builds, but the existing housing market can be massively improved. We've done it again and again. And in fact, a third, it used to only be a third of our work was renovation projects in terms of the integrated architecture and science. It's now over half. So there's a lot more of that happening and increasing demand for our retrofit um, and, and modelling services. More and more architects in different parts of the country after that service. Oh, one minute. Heat pumps are the go. Again, you guys know that. Took me a little while to wake up to it. We used to use evacuated tube, solar hot water, and we used to use hydronic heating, and we realised that's complete overkill. Uh, I mean, I knew you can do heat pump hydronic, but we were doing gas-fueled hydronic. And then we were using all sorts of other forms of electric heating, because you do need supplementary heating in Canberra. Not a lot of it, if you design well. But heat pumps are fantastic. And I'm on a mission to educate architects. Split systems on the wall aren't evil and aren't necessarily ugly if you design them well. Misconceptions are still rife. I could talk to you at length about any of these topics. The other big point is to communicate. So I'm really passionate about telling people about what can be achieved and showing people. So I do articles, I do blogs, I do journals, I do podcasts. I do My Efficient Electric Home, free Facebook group you should all be part of. And Sustainable House Day and Solar House Day are events where people get to come in and experience it. Because you know what it's like. You know the sort of house you live in and your friends live in. You go to a display village, unless it's the Cape or some, there's some good ones around. But most display villages are full of six-star terrible examples. And people think that's what they should be aspiring to. They don't get to feel and experience good houses. So I try and get them there. And there's no magic bullet. Design it right. Use some science during the process. Um, build it well and test it works and don't be afraid to tell and show people what you do. And that's, oh, 18 seconds to go. Look at that. Wow. Cool. I'll stop there. And thank you for joining us for these highlights and excerpts from Building Physics 2019, one of the many events that ERA puts on throughout the year for the HVAC in our industry. To find out more, just visit our website, era.org.au, to find out what's coming up, as I'd hate you to miss out on an event you might really enjoy and get a lot from. Our thanks to Mark Vender for doing the interviews at this event, and on behalf of the whole ERA team, thank you for listening. It's been such a pleasure putting on this show for you, and we can't wait to bring you more. But we'd also love to bring to your attention our growing back catalog of great episodes, with stories ranging from timber buildings to law school retrofits to one of the leading eco-villages in the country at Cape Patterson, ERA On Air is bringing you great stories of HVAC and R innovation. And if you're enjoying this show, please tell a friend or colleague as we'd love to get the word out there more. 
I've been your host, Mark Spencer. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon.